when you think about missions, I want you to think about this illustration. The illustration of someone going down into a well and another group of people holding a rope for that people down in the well. What happens with Jared and Emma is in many ways they are going into the well and they are relying on us to hold the rope in many ways to support them in their endeavors. One of the major ways that we as a church can support them is through prayer. So if you are a young person in this room, I want you to write down the name of that little boy with the tumors on his face. And you'll have to say his name again because I cannot say it. Clavo? Claver? Clava? Clavercito. We'll call him Clay. (laughs) Write down Clay's name on a piece of paper so that you can remember to pray for him over the next few weeks. And I'm going to be checking in with Jay and Emma to hear his prognosis. Uh, Also, Ryan took a picture of the slide for prayer requests, and he'll send out an email. And I want to challenge you. Every week until forever, for every week, I want you to pray for for their requests. Uh, We'll update those requests as we go, but put them in your Bible. Put them somewhere where you do your, your study, but pray for them every week. We want to partner with Jared and Emma in more meaningful ways. Um, and that, that could be anything from more communication with them. That could be more prayer time with them. Um, I want the young people, I want you to be invested in Jared and Emma's ministry. So I want you to be praying for them and the kids that they encounter And in particular, these wives, these wives that are experiencing quite a lot of persecution for their faith. Uh, I want you to think about what it would be like to be in that kind of community. Think about living in a village. How far can you really escape from your spouse in those situations, and especially if you're destitute? So I want you to be thinking about that uh, as we go forward. And I I really appreciate Jared and Emma uh, sharing your experiences Uh, the struggles that you have, as well as the joys. Um, Not having a door on the bathroom is exciting in many ways um, and challenging for sure. And so we would like to do um, a little bit of our sermon this morning, and it's going to be brief. And I wanted to uh, look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 is where we've left off over these past few weeks as we've been going through the book of Acts extremely fast. It's only taken us like eight weeks to get here. So Acts chapter 3, verse 11, and we're in a transition. We're transitioning from the miracle that Peter did to Peter's sermon. Um, And so in this transition, we're taught the proper posture to have when when God does something miraculous through us. The subject is about glory or fame or taking the credit. How many of you young people in this room have taken the credit for something you haven't done? When when your mom or dad says, oh, thank you for taking out the trash, and you know that it was your brother that did it. You're like, oh, no problem. I got it. Yeah, I see some hands. Thank you, my children, of course. So sometimes we take the credit for things that we shouldn't. But we see Peter here not taking the credit. And so let's go ahead and read verses 11 through 12. While he was holding on to Peter, now remember the person holding on to Peter was the lame man that was healed. 
while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people were utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning and to hear your word, Lord, help us to, to remember that there are believers in other countries that are experiencing great trials and tests of their faith. Father, as we consider the, the trials that we experience, uh, in many ways they are, are small in comparison to persecution, to uh, death. Or I think about the persecuted church in China uh, and Africa and just the, uh, the devastation that occurs when people hate your name and they're willing to, to kill for it. Father, we, uh, we humbly come before you Thankful for what you have given us. Help us not to take it lightly. Lord, help us to use this privilege that you have given us as a, um, a, a vessel that we can pour out for others in more difficult circumstances than us. Lord, help us to trust in you more deeply. Help us to see you more clearly in this passage. And we ask these things in the beautiful name of Christ. Amen. So children, I want you to ask your parents this one question. What is glory? So parents, write down what to Google in a few minutes, right after the sermon. What is glory? I want you to be able, I want you to be ready to ask that question when you see your parents and you guys talk about the sermon later today. So an aspect of our sinful nature is that we are self-centered. We have a tendency to take credit for anything that we can. If you've ever received a compliment, you might have experienced this. Someone says, that is really great work you did there. Now, you may be a little bit embarrassed, but some part of you kind of enjoys it a little bit, doesn't it? You kind of take a little satisfaction in the compliment. Our pride, or we could say our vainglory, tends to enjoy the attention and maybe even start to seek it out. This is a tendency for you young people who are very talented. Knowing that pride is deceitful and can cover up its motives, I'm really surprised at Peter. I'm really surprised at Peter in this passage. Now, if you remember, it was not too many months ago that Peter denied Christ. Think about the lowest point in your life. That was Peter. He stood before people and said, I don't know that man, as Jesus was getting beaten and crucified. And he's supposed to be the one that, the, that God builds the church on. So think about the lowest moment in your life. A massive failure for Peter. I mean, Peter was all braggadocious, wasn't he? He was talking about how cool he was, how he was going to, you know, if everybody else leaves you, God, I, or, or Jesus, I'm going to be there. If everybody else leaves you, Jesus, I am with you. I'm with you to thick and thin. I'm, I'm here to fight. And the minute he's challenged, he runs away crying. Because he denies his Lord. The risk for Peter is to puff himself up a bit. Right? When you feel bad, do you like to puff yourself up? Do you like to look at something and say, well, at least I'm good over here? Do you ever sinned in one area and say, well, at least I haven't sinned in that area? Or, man, I'm not so bad as I feel. It's all about my self esteem. 
Look what God has done through me, Peter might have said. I healed this lame man. This man was lame from birth. He was 40 years old. He came out lame, and he is healed through me. I must be really something. You think Peter might have started kind of walking around like this, like, hey, guys, check me out. You Sanhedrin folks, you haven't healed anybody, right? The possibilities are endless. And he has the lame man hanging on to him. Peter and John make their way to Solomon's colonnade, a place where they can get some room to preach. And Peter begins to get ready for his upcoming sermon. Now, there's a, a key bit of information about Solomon's colonnade. Just look it up on your own. It'd be interesting to notice how Jesus used Solomon's colonnade as well. So if you get on your Google machines and look up and do some research, there's an interesting connection there. The people were understandably astounded by seeing a 40-year-old man, lame from birth, jumping around. Right. So if you remember last week, in verse 11, we kind of have a, a reminder. We have this miracle where we saw how Jesus meets us where we are. That was the, the theme, right? But he doesn't leave us there. So we have the lame and broken man unable to enter the temple or even God's presence. He was unable to enter the temple. He was broken and forbidden from entry. Yet because of the name of Jesus Christ, he was enabled to enter into the temple for worship. And in the same way, we are unworthy of entering into God's presence, but through the name of Jesus Christ, we are enabled to enter the Father's presence. So just like this, uh, this lame man enters the temple leaping and praising God, we came to the conclusion that God, through Christ, meets us where we are, but doesn't leave us that way. The result of this miracle, though, was astonished people. It becomes a platform to declare the glory of God. How many of you younger folks watch YouTube? Okay, just my child. As you watch YouTube or you watch something, do you ever see something interesting that happens, something cool, right? like a cool bottle flip from five stories high or, or something interesting happens? And there's some phenomenal thing. Or, or you older folks who watch sports, right? someone makes a basket from halfway across the court or someone does a touchdown or... Um, Tom Brady doesn't you know, throw out his arm in a, in a, in a football match, right? We, we see something amazing and we're astonished, right? And we're astonished, we're amazed, we want to ask other people. And so they see this lame man from birth walking and leaping and praising God. They're amazed. And so these people start to rush. The, te the whole temple is astounded by this event, which leads to a massive crowd. Likely a busy time in the temple, and this crowd forms. So look at verse 11 with me. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. So as the crowd forms, Peter prepares to address the crowd, giving his second sermon. Now remember the first sermon was a result of Pentecost and the speaking of other languages, or the, the coming down in, at Pentecost. The miracle then sets the stage to declare the wonderful work of God through Jesus Christ. And so we just got done studying that message from Peter. And now we have another crowd. 
God has brought another crowd for Peter to preach to. And Peter gives glory to God. That's where verse 12 is really interesting to me. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? So Peter sees the crowd, sees the people, and addresses them. This is very similar to the way he addressed them earlier. He calls on the men of Israel. Uh, Literally, this means men of Israel. In the CSB, we have fellow Israelites. And he draws their attention in, and then he asks this question. So he draws their attention. He gets their attention. He says, fellow Israelites, pay attention to me. And he asks them this question. What is this question? Well, why do you stare at us? as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? That's the question he asks. And I want to spend a few minutes with you digging into these words. So Peter ascribes to the motive to these crowd, this crowd. He says, you are wondering something. You are wondering if it is our own power or our own godliness that healed this man. There Are there two possible realities here? Is it our godliness that healed him or our own power? So obviously Peter is going to point to the power of the triune God in raising this man up through the faith that comes through Jesus. You see that in verse 16. But here he is pointing away from himself. He doesn't let pride get the better of him. And to say, check out how much God is able to do through me. Right? Look at what I have done. I healed this man. Right? He doesn't say that. In fact, we, we see that Jesus said a lot of interesting things about Peter. He says, you're going to be the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Here are the keys to the kingdom. That could really puff someone up. But in, instead, Peter says, why do you act like there is power in a human to do this? Think about that for a minute. Why are you acting like humans have the power to do this thing? In fact, though, we see that the kingdom of darkness is able to imitate many of the experiences that Christians have. But think about also in the Old Testament. The magicians of Pharaoh were able to imitate many of the acts that Moses did in the court. You remember that? He would throw his staff down and it would turn into a snake and then the magicians, they threw their staffs down. Of course, every instance... The snake swallows the other ones or or something greater happens on God's end. But we see that the, the forces of darkness are able to imitate the experiences that Christians have. Right? We see magicians later on in the book of Acts trying to cast out demons, even using the name of Jesus. So the question should not be, how did this happen? But whose authority did this? So the question that should be being asked is not how did this happen, but whose authority did this? Peter was empowered by the living Lord to heal this lame man like he had during his life on earth. Jesus healed in a lot of the same ways, and we'll see that. Except we remember that Peter was only able to do it under the authority of Jesus. So that's what it means when it says, when he says, in the name of Jesus, he's talking about the authority. In other words, it's under the authority of Jesus. 
that Peter heals. Right? So Jesus would heal on his own authority. But Peter, how does he heal? By saying, in the name of Jesus Christ. So he has the authority of Jesus. Second, Peter says, it was not our own godliness that did this. So if you remember, if you're paying attention, if you young, young people are taking notes, the first thing you should notice is that it's not how is this power happening, but under whose authority is this power happening. And then second, Peter says, it's not our own godliness that did this. Now, I find it truly remarkable that Peter would use this moment to say this. Of all the moments to, to talk about godliness, he uses this moment, right? Godliness can be translated as this, piety or reverence. Often in the Old Testament, it is used to translate, uh, or used to translate fear of the Lord. So in the same word that's used here in the Greek Septuagint, they translate it as fear of the Lord. So consider what godliness required, uh, what kind of godliness was required under the Old Testament law. If someone obeyed the law and was careful to make atonement through the sacrificial system, they could be considered godly and receive the benefits and the blessings. Right? So if you follow the Old Testament law to a T, you receive the blessings of that law. In fact, Peter in his epistles expresses the importance of godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Peter mentions godliness five times in 2 Peter. It's an important subject for Peter. Yet he said his effectiveness in the healing of this lame man was not a result of his personal holiness or godliness. Think about the implications of that with me for a minute. What does that mean? He said, it's not because I'm holy that this man is healed. Someone's godliness does not determine their effectiveness. And on the flip side, someone's effectiveness does not mean they're particularly godly. How many effective ministers have fallen from grace, so to speak, who have a secret hidden life? Peter says it is only based on the faith that comes through Jesus Christ that this miracle occurred. God used Peter and John as witnesses to Jesus Christ to do this astonishing event in order that he would be glorified, as verse 13 will go on to tell us next week. So very briefly, I want to point out how important this truth is to you and to me. First, it does not depend on works. It doesn't matter how hard you try to follow the rules. It is only by God's grace and mercy that anything happens through you. You might do everything right as a parent, and your child may still walk away from the faith. That's a tough reality. You may do everything right. You may raise them. You do all the memory verses. You may be the best. You may have all the best dad mugs of every Father's Day for your whole child's life, and you may still have a child walk away from the faith. Your success is not due to how well you follow the rules. You see amazing things through your life or in the life of someone in ministry, that too is not due to how holy you are or they are. 
Your one hope in all circumstances is trusting your Savior and trusting in this Jesus Christ. The Lord alone gives success. Is that not freeing to you? How many of you are wrapped up, coiled up in your own hearts trying to work out your salvation? How many of you are tired of trying to justify yourself and say, I have to be successful? I don't know about you, but that's exhausting. The gospel should free us from thinking that our godliness should earn us something. It should free us from thinking that by being holy, we are earning something. Or even that there are classes of Christians, some higher rank because they are more able to do one thing or another. Or just because they have a bigger ministry or a greater congregation or a more beautiful legacy, that that somehow they were more holy. And that there's classes of Christians. I don't know about you, but I've run into this quite a lot recently where I've had people who have great knowledge of the word, who I've respected and trusted, utterly betray me and show a life of debauchery underneath. Their life, their knowledge does not equal who they are. Now, godliness is important and something that we should strive for, but not for the sake of success. We're not striving to be godly to succeed in something. Jerry Bridges in his book, uh, The Quest for Godliness, says, Godliness is more than Christian character. It covers the totality of the Christian life and provides the foundation upon which Christian character is built. True godliness springs from a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the motivation for all of our behavior. All the behavior that is pleasing to God, because God alone gets the glory. So it's not our godliness that earns us favor. It's, our, um, it's the fact that we have a personal relationship with the Lord. Now the temptation for pride, or taking the glory, might have been there for Peter. Yet he gives God all the glory for the miracle and the successes he sees in the early church. I want you to just take a very brief moment with me and compare the Pharisees with Peter. What was it that we know about the Pharisees? I see a hand. I don't know if I should even... Okay, tell me. There you go. The difference between the Pharisees and Peter is that they take credit for themselves. Right? The, the Pharisees loved to be Pharisees. They loved to walk in, the, in and get the, the greatest places. But Peter's not here puffing up himself here because he's pointing all of it to God. He gives God all the glory for the miracle and the successes he sees in the early church. Right? He's not sitting there with the disciples in the back counting the thousands of people that have come to the Lord and saying, look at how great we are. Look what we have done. Look how successful we are. So the challenge that I have for you this morning is this. Are you giving God all the glory? Are you giving God all the glory? If not, you need to repent by confessing your vainglory and giving all glory to God. 
rest on his completed work on the cross for us. That's your challenge. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity we've had to listen to Jared and Emma Redding and just to hear uh, their heart for uh, this tribe in Peru that I have a hard time saying. Uh, Father, we, we lift up this tribe that there would be more believers, that your church would uh, expand in that community, in the, the community there, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would be glorified in that um, congregation as it grows. Father, we thank you for the, the blessings of a baptism, that they were able to celebrate and then adding to the number. Lord, we see the trials and struggles that they are going to face in that community, and we, we pray for the, the women who are experiencing persecution against them. Lord, we pray for little Clay and his uh, tumors on his face, that he would be able to develop his lungs uh, good enough that he can go and see the doctor and that the surgeon can cut that off and give him more freedom of, of life and mobility. Uh, Lord, we ask these things in the beautiful name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. There's one little bit of business that 